says, Now therefore, in verse 10, Rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you, and as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. In other words, David, you're up here in Aphek with us. What I want you to do is to go back down to the place where I told you to go, the, the town that I gave you, down here in Ziklag. Go back down there to Ziklag. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. David wanted to fight with the Philistines against Israel, but God used the Philistine princes to stop him by telling him to go back to Ziklag, the city Achish placed him and his men to live. We should praise God for the times when he protects us by keeping us from sinning. God would use the rejection of ungodly people in David's life for good. Many people hesitate to live all out for Jesus Christ because they are afraid of the rejection of the ungodly. How much better is it to be all out for Jesus and to trust that if the world rejects us, God will use it for our good, for their good, and always for his glory. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Make David return. Tell tell him to go back to Ziklag that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him, and do not let him go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become our adversary. For what could he reconcile himself to his master, if not with the heads of these men? So these men weren't dumb. You know, as David is is coming in the the rear of of the battle as it's going out, they're thinking to themselves, they don't trust David, and they were right not to trust him. But Achish was still deceived by David's acting abilities. David deceived Achish. And what better time to do that than right in the middle of the war and David's men would attack the Philistines and ingratiate himself to who? Israel again. So they have no trust in him, and they had very good reason not to trust him. And it says, Is not this David of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And then Achish called, verse 6, David, and said to him, Surely, as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're going out, and you're coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. So the other Philistine rulers, they did not trust him for good reason. But notice the praise that Achish is heaping upon David. Completely deceived this man. And David must have been a good actor. Of course he was. He was a musician. <laughs> because I am one, a musician, I know that musicians have this wonderful, they're, they're actors, they're, 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 they, can, they, can, they, can do it, they can do it all. And so they're very artsy, they know how to you know, act, they know how to sing, they can dance, they can play a tune. You know? And so, um, and for all, any of you who are musicians, you're, you're all laughing at me, I can see you. 
But that's okay. You know it's true. That's why you're smiling. So, verse 7, it says, Therefore, return now and go in peace, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And remember, Achish, he was the king of Gath, one of the cities of the Pentapolis. We call it a Pentapolis because it was five Philistine cities. We know that they are uh, Gaza, Ashkelon, Ekron, Ashdod, and certainly Gath. These are five Philistine cities. And so all of these kings and all their armies are together now against Israel. So verse 8, it says, So David said to Achish, But what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you that I may not go out and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? Really, David? Your lord the king is Achish? Have you, do you have amnesia, David? Did, somebody, did, you, did you trip over an olive, you know, an olive root or something like that on the ground and, and hit your head and you, now you, you've got amnesia? Have you lost your mind? Temporarily, David was not in the right place. And again, this is a very sticky place for David a very sticky place. Because remember, earlier in the book of Samuel, what did David say when he had opportunities on at least two occasions to kill Saul? What did he say? Even to his men. His men would have gladly killed Saul for him, but David said, no, don't put your hand against the Lord's anointed. If God wants to get rid of him and put me in his place, he's going to do it his way, his time, and by whatever means he chooses. It is not me that I should get in the way of this. And he was rightfully, rightfully to think that way. And what's interesting, and yet it appears that he would have if Achish would have let him. And maybe David knew that the Philistine lords wouldn't allow him to go into battle. I think that he probably knew that they, he knew the temperature of the room. He knew that these Philistine lords were not comfortable with him. Achish was the only one who was hook, line, and sinker. He's a great man. Look at him. He's great. And they're like, no, he's not. He's not great. Get him out of here. And they're like, this guy can't go with us. They weren't snowed by him. And I think David knew ultimately that their opinion of him would have sway. But he was able to play the game and, uh, and, and make it look like to Achish, man, I would do anything. Why can't I go? Oh, come on, man. Let me go into battle with you. I've proven myself all this time. I mean, come on. And, and he knew in his heart that it wasn't going to happen, I think. I believe. And I'm glad that Achish didn't say, you know what? I know that they don't want you to be around here, but just stay quietly in the back. No one will notice. I'm really glad that didn't happen. Because think about what would have happened if David would have really gone out to battle. And if David found himself, he would have found himself in a very unusual, very sticky place. Do I kill my own brothers? Or do I defect right now and or, or, or turn the tables I mean, who could blame the Philistine lords? To them, David was a liability. And what a ruse, again, it would be if David was in the middle of the battle and then turned against them. Thank God, again, that it didn't happen. And, I'm, and David also should be thankful that God didn't allow this. This would have been an incredible stain on his career, an incredible stain, one that I, don't, I think that the children of Israel might not have forgiven him if he would have killed any one of his countrymen, of his own Jews. So verse 9, Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Wow, this guy is just, he's, he's like a deceptive sponge. Achish is this just vulnerable guy. He's like a sponge just receiving all, anything that David's telling him is, is gospel and true. 
completely deceived. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to battle. And this is the third time, if you read this chapter, this is the third time that Achish gave David this kind of praise. The other two times are in verse uh, uh, 3, and we saw also in verse 6. It says, Now therefore, in verse 10, Rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you, and as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. In other words, David, you're up here in Aphek with us. What I want you to do is to go back down to the place where I told you to go, the, the town that I gave you, down here in Ziklag. Go back down there to Ziklag. And so David and his men, they rose early to depart in the morning, and so returned to the land of the Philistines, in other words, to Ziklag. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So the Philistines go even further north from Aphek. They go up north into the valley of Jezreel, which we call as the Valley of Armageddon in that area. Basically, it's a great place for a battle. If you go to Israel with us next year, we go right through that. We travel all through that area, and you get to see exactly where uh, some of these battles have happened and where the ultimate battle is going to be. Uh, at the end of the Great Tribulation period, you'll, you'll see this place. And even Napoleon said this is the perfect place for a battle because it's just flat. It's a perfect place for armies to gather together and face off to each other. So now we get into chapter 30, and notice what it says. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day. So on the third day, so it took them going from Aphek all the way down to Ziklag. That's about 80 miles and that took them about three days. The, the terrain is very jagged. It's not an easy path to go. And so it takes them three days to get there. So it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had already invaded the south and Ziklag, and they attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. Now, who was in Ziklag at this time? David and his men aren't there, but who was left? The women, the children, and the livestock. That's all that's there. They were slim, easy pickings. Now, the Amalekites, coming up from the south, coming up from the south, they knew that Ziklag was going to be easy because all the Israelites are up in the north fighting with the Philistines. And so they're thinking to themselves, this is going to be an easy job. And it indeed was because there was no man around. They marched in there, and they took care of business. And the good news is, as we'll see here, is that, it says, verse 2, and had taken captive the women and those who were with him from small to great. Notice, they didn't kill anyone. Thank you, Jesus, that they didn't kill anybody. They didn't kill anybody, but they, they carried them away, and they went their way. So basically what they're thinking is if, if an army comes in and doesn't kill everybody, then they have other uses for those people, and it's usually slavery. They're either going to use them as slaves themselves, the Amalekites, going to use these Jews as slaves, or they're going to sell them as slaves. Either way, the destiny of these women and children is really, really, really bad. And so David, verse 3, and his men, they came to the city. Remember, they've been traveling for three days, leaving the battle that Saul, remember, we're going to see this in, in chapter 31 next week, while David and those men are coming down south to, to Ziklag, the battle is raging up in the north with Saul 
and his men, Jonathan and his sons, they're all in battle up there in the valley of in the valley of Jezreel, in the valley of Armageddon, in that area. So David and his men come to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him, they naturally lift up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried so hard that you, your tear ducts just dried up and you, you had like dry, dry crying? Have you had a dry cry where you had nothing left in you? <laughs> Have you been so overwrought with, with remorse and pain? That's the way these men were. And they're thinking to themselves, David, why did we go up there to Aphek anyway? Why were we up there fighting with, you know, David, that the Philistines are the, the perennial enemy of Israel. God told us to wipe them out. And what are we doing? This plan that you had, and we, went, we all went along with it. We went up there with you, up there, and why, we have no idea. We get up there, and we're fighting against our own people. What's the matter with you? Now we lost our wives and our kids, and they are fuming mad. They're fuming mad at David, and for good reason. David was not being, he wasn't in his right mind. Because while David and his men were in a place that they shouldn't have been up there in Aphek, at the same time that's occurring, the Amalekites have come up from the south and they have raided Ziklag, taken everybody captive. So while David was playing the hypocrite, his family and those of all the men who were with him were taken captive. And we see this, I believe, as a chastening of the Lord in David. And it was a big chastening, too, because it was his fault. It was his fault that these men had lost their wives and their kids. And they knew it, and he knew it. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 5, it says, You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. There comes a time in our lives, each one of us have been chastened by the Lord. Um, I know I have been, and if you haven't, there's probably a time in your life when you will be. But with the word chasten is, is a really unique thing because when God chastens, he doesn't chasten you like a father does. You know, your father, when you were younger, remember, he could have been really angry with you and he gets out the belt and he's just, you know, his teeth are flaring and his eyes are on fire and, you know, he's whipping you, you know. That can happen, but is that God's desire to, just to whip you just because he's angry because you sinned? no. The Bible says that God chastens those whom he loves. Chastening has within it the idea of instruction within the consequence. See, that's the way we need to chasten our children. We don't just, you know, take this, you know, we don't spank our children just because they've, you know, we're angry with them because they did something we told them not to do. No, when my daughter, when she was little, you know, when she would run out in her, with her big wheel out our driveway out to the road, we'd put, we had to put cones up. And I said, honey, don't go past the cones. Why? Is it because I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I put down, you know, I'm man, hear me roar, you know, um, you break my law and I'm going to, you know, pound you? Is it, is it because I'm just an animal? No, it's because I don't want her dead. And if she goes beyond those cones and the way people come by on our road, that could be certain death for a little person on a big wheel. So I do it because I love. There's instruction in it. I tell my daughter, honey, don't do this. And here's the reason why. <laughs> and that really gets them to pay attention. You know, it's like, honey, do you want to go out and this? You know, I wouldn't recommend this necessarily. Do you want to go out and get splatted by a car? I mean, sometimes you've got to tell them the truth, you know, because that's, that's what could happen. But that's chastening. If she breaks that, then you've got to follow through with whatever you've, you know, the consequence. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. Now, I believe David, this whole event with the Ziklag being burnt and everybody being taken, I believe that was God getting David's attention. He was shaking his tree. David was out of his mind in a place where he shouldn't have been, and God's just taking the tree and going, shaking the tree up, shaking the tree up, chastening his wayward son, and certainly chastening all the other men who were with him. What are you guys doing? David, what are you doing? Men who are following David, what are you doing? Why are you in Aphek fighting against your own people? What is the matter with you? What's wrong with this picture? But God chastens those whom he loves. And did he love David? Did he love those men? He did. Did he love the Philistines? Yes, he loved them too. But they had turned their back on God and followed false gods. Would God take any one of them if if they turned from their wicked ways? Yes, he would. He's not a respecter of persons. But notice what it says in Hebrews 12. Let me just read it to you. The author of Hebrews says, You have not resisted the bloodshed striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. He says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. And I believe David was being rebuked and chastened by God. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son that he receives. He says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with a son. For what son is there among a father? Um, uh, whom a father does not chasten. But if you are without chastening, of which all are become partakers, then you are illegitimate, and you're not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers, and I can relate to this, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, But he, God, for our prophet, and there's the definition of chastening for our prophet. Does he? Is he just? He just wants to ruin your fun? No. He. He's everything he does is to instruct you in righteousness, to instruct you in the way you should go. But he, for our prophet, why? That we might be partakers of his holiness. And then verse eleven. I love the honesty of this. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When you're chastened by the Lord, what what a wonderful reunion there is afterwards. You remember when you did something wrong as a child and your father or your mother took the belt after you? You can't do that in, in this country anymore because you get thrown in jail. Your kids will be taken away from you, right? Somebody will call CPS on you if you just spank your child once. You, you, you hear the child going, oh, no, mom, don't get the belt. All of a sudden, you've got three agents coming to your door, shackling your kids and taking them away from you. And then you're under fire. You're under, you know, you go to law. David would be chastened not only here, but he would also be chastened. Later on, we're going to see this when we get into Second Samuel, his, the whole issue with him and uh, Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah the Hittite. David would chasten, or God would chasten David again. And the difference between David and someone like Saul is that David, even though he made his mistakes, he learned from the mistakes. And he was broken when he learned from them, and he learned something. He wasn't the kind of guy who did the one thing and then con- continued to perpetuate it. No, God broke him every single time. He got the, the message very clearly. See, it's not, it's not the fact that, you know, um, God knows we're not perfect, but God help us if we don't learn from our mistakes. We have to learn. 
right, from our mistakes. Otherwise, we go through the same class again, the school of hard knocks. We go through it again and again and again until we finally get it, right? God, God wants us to get it the first time, and I think that's one of the hard things about being a parent is that you go through certain things and you tell your kids, honey, don't do that. I know because I've been there. Please don't do that. Well, why? Well, because of this. And you, and you explain it to them, and then they think, well, they can do it better. And then they try it, and then they don't do any better. And they get caught. And then it's just a, an unfortunate thing with the human nature. It seems like we, we're just bent on figuring it out ourselves. We have to figure it out in real time. I wish I would have been the type of person that when my parent or my mom said, honey, don't do this, I would have said, you know what, mom, I believe you. And I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not going to touch that. She'd be like, oh, it's a miracle. But it doesn't happen. Because whatever she tells me not to do and not to touch, what are those things that I do? Those things. I do those things and I touch those things that she told me not to. Right? And so I have to learn. I have to figure this out. But the Lord indeed chastens those whom he loves. Back in our text, verse 5, it says, And so David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people, the men who were with him, these 600 men, was grieved, and very naturally so, every man for his son and his daughters and his wives and their wife. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, and I love this. Even when all things are against him, (laughs) he was a man who knew opposition. Have you ever felt opposition when you just feel like everything's against you? Having a bad day, and then you go home, and then you come home, and your whole family's mad at you for something that you did, and then you go outside, and you start your car, and the engine blows up. Then you walk down the street, and you slip, and you hurt yourself. You break your foot. The ambulance comes, tows you away, and en route to the hospital, gets in an accident. And then there's a great hurricane in New York, which never happens. But this day it does. No, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. And see, that is the, the very difference between him and Saul. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And Saul, he always looked to himself and he trusted in the flesh. I love what David wrote in a psalm. He says, who are, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. countenance. And I, I love that about David. He was always looking to the Lord in spite of the things that he went through. So verse 7, it says, Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, remember, Abiathar was the, the one man of, remember when they went to the city of Nob where the priests were? And Doeg was there who blew David in, but David got the sword of Goliath. And by him being there with Ahimelech, the priest, and his 85 other men who were serving there with him, um, remember that all those men got killed, but one man escaped. And his name was Abiathar. He was a priest, and he took the ephod, and he brought it with him. And so he was among David's mighty, you know, his group of men. And he had the ephod with him, which included the Urim and the Thummim, these things that they would use to divine the, the heart of God or yes or no answers concerning God's will. So David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David.
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.